Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Eight years ago, I don't think I could have imagined myself raking my lawn on Christmas Eve. But thankfully, the Lord has brought me to a place where I can rake my yard in those days when I would have been shoveling snow. And so it's not that unusual to rake our yards here in December in the south, just as it wasn't that unusual to shovel snow in our driveways up north. The similarities are striking in that whether you're raking your yard or you're shoveling your snow, you know it's going to come back again. In fact, we had raked our yard in November and thought, oh, we got the needles, we're good. And then a month goes by and there they are again. And it's not just needles, you have to sort through, as I've learned from working the church workday here, that the needles make good ground cover. So you have to sort through the stuff you don't want, the cones, the leaves, the brush and sticks, and get those out, and then you can reserve the needles for ground cover, bedding, and landscaping. Just like we rake our yard and We rake it again, and we rake it again, and we shovel our driveway again and again. Paul, in our text from Philippians 3, is reminding us that he is telling us he needs to remind us of things again and again. And he, in fact, nearly apologizes, but says in the first verse, if I have to repeat myself to you, don't think it's because I'm lazy as a preacher. Instead, remember, these are the things that create your joy. And so a New Year's Eve sermon can kind of sound repetitious, almost like you've heard this one before, right? Get rid of the old, get in with the new. Forgiven the sins of the past, looking forward to God's hope in the future, we're familiar with this. And it's right for us to repeat ourselves this time of year because we need the repetition in our hearts of how God turns us away from the old and points us to the new, even every day. He teaches us to turn over a new leaf. Now, I was looking up this phrase, turning over a new leaf, because I used it, I've heard it, but I never really thought about what the meaning of it is, and it turns out it doesn't have to do anything with raking your yard. In fact, the word leaf is a word that was used in the Middle Ages to refer to a piece of paper, a page in a book. So we have phrases in English like leaf through the pages or take a leaf out of someone's book. And so the phrase turn over a new leaf doesn't have to do with raking your yard. It has to do with a story, turning a page in a book. And so what the Apostle Paul is laying before us in our sermon tonight is to turn a page in the chapter of our lives as we go into the new year. Jesus Christ, he says, has laid hold of you just as he laid hold of Paul. He changed the Apostle Paul's direction of faith so that He would stop pursuing the things that were troublesome and destructive, and he would pursue Jesus and the goal of the upward calling 
in him. And so as you head into 2024, I want you to focus on direction. Where am I heading? Where is the Lord Jesus Christ laid hold of you and leading you forward toward something better and a reward that is given in the power of his resurrection? I don't know how much you know about the Apostle Paul, but for what we do know about the Apostle Paul in the scriptures, would any of you picture him as a quitter? If you know anything about him, would any any of you picture him as the type of person to give up? And if you knew anything about the Apostle Paul, you'll know he's a man who was willing to endure 39 lashes from the whip for what he was preaching. He was willing to be imprisoned while writing this letter. He once started a riot, had to be dragged from going into the middle of the mob and being killed. And in the next city he went, he did the same thing. They plotted to kill him, and he didn't care. He went toward the trouble rather than away from it. So we couldn't imagine the Apostle Paul as a quitter. And some of this was ingrained in him, in his personality, in how he approached life. And you can see it even before he was a Christian. Before the Apostle Paul was a Christian, he was a driven man. He was not a quitter. And you can see it in his dedication to his religion. He lists all the ways in which he was dedicated to the flesh. He mentions first his circumcision, that his body was willing to be marked to be Abraham's heir and the heir of the covenant of God. He was from the people of Israel, God's chosen heritage out of all the nations in the world. He was part of that chosen people. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, the favorite among the 12 sons of Jacob. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In other words, he was top of his class. When it came to the law, he was a Pharisee, one of the most dedicated religious groups among all the Jewish people. When it came to zeal, He never gave up. He kept going after his goal. It says that he pursued and pursued and pursued it. And concerning righteousness, he was blameless. Nobody could bring anything against this man or suggest that he had any lack of dedication to what he was doing. And yet he says in verse 7, Whatever I gained for everything I had invested, I now consider it loss. So if he was a financial analyst who was going to say, you you put your funds into this stock and over this many years, it's only going to gain. And he promises you that. He'd done all of those choices and decisions all the way. And yet for all he'd gain on that linear line, financial backing, He said, now he's flipped the chart, and it's all loss. What would make a man like him willing to give up all of that? His whole life, his education, his career. Just as self-dedicated he was to the pursuit of righteousness, now he sees a new pursuit. 
he sees that in his old life, which is the leaf that he's turned the page on, in his old life, it was nothing more than sin management. That's all he was doing. He was managing sin and doing a very good job at it. It's like constantly raking your yard. You just keep raking it and raking and raking it. You, you try to separate the good needles from the pine cones, get rid of those nasty ones. But at the end of the day, you don't have anywhere to put them. Because the only place you can put the garbage is in your house. So here you are going out, raking, raking, getting rid of the brush, and yet you're filling your house with it. What happens when the Apostle Paul keeps filling up the house of his heart with rubbish? He, keep, he thinks he's got things looking clean on the outside, but on the inside, there's trouble. It's filling up. In fact, it's futility when we try to manage sin. And what it does to the Apostle Paul is when he was Saul, the Pharisee, it filled him with hate. It led him to hostility, and it produced hubris. Hate, hostility, and hubris were what boiled over in how he actually lived his life. In his jealousy, in his conceit, in his desire to see other people taken down so that he could move up. It was the idolatry of control. And so what are the places in your life where you are guilty of the idolatry of control? Where you are trying to manage sin. Because that's a place where we're always going to lose. We might think we can clean it up. And we'll go out there again. We'll clean it up again and again and again. But you know what? It keeps coming back. And on the inside, we're filling up with garbage. It wasn't until the king intervened that the Apostle Paul would have destroyed himself. It wasn't until Jesus stepped in and it, Paul says, he, he laid hold of me. Now, I tend to picture this as, you know, some people can just take a tap on the shoulder and they start crying about what they've done. But other people need to be grabbed by the shirt collar and lifted up even and, and shaken. I don't know what type of person you are, so you have to figure out what it takes for Jesus to get your attention. But for the Apostle Paul, it was a bright, shining light that knocked him blind for three days. Jesus had to grab him so strongly because he had to shake him loose of all the things he was holding on to. Being circumcised, being of a certain tribe, keeping the law being blameless. And he says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained perfection, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Paul turns over a new leaf because Jesus has laid hold of him and changed his direction. He's turned over a new leaf, meaning Jesus has turned a page in the chapter of his life. 
Sin management is never going to work. It is not a long-term plan. It hardly even works in the short term. And we do the same thing with our anger. We do the same thing with our shame. Whether you call a New Year's resolution a goal to diet, to exercise, or to simply do better with sin, these things do not work. Jesus has got to grab us and shake us loose and turn us around. And when we let go of all that stuff, when we lay ourselves bare to what's inside, only then can we be a quitter who wins. Because the Apostle Paul was a quitter. He had to quit being what he used to be. He had to give up, and only then could he start going again. He had to quit going in the wrong direction before he could start pressing forward. It's interesting in our text that the same word for persecute is later used of Paul's godly pursuit. So in verse 6, he says that he pursued the church with his zeal. He said when it came to zeal, energy, commitment, hard working, he outlasted them all in his pursuit. And that's the word dioko in Greek for persecution. But it's the same word that can also be translated to pursue something good. So when he stopped pursuing the destruction of those that he felt threatened by, now he started pursuing Jesus Christ, the upward calling. And so in verse 12, it says, I press on. In verse 14, I pursue the goal for the reward of the upward call. It transformed his zeal from something going toward bad things to something going toward good things. And that's where Jesus turns a chapter, but he doesn't erase your story. When Jesus turns a page, he doesn't erase the story. He transforms it. And so he takes the places in your life that were the places of shame or anger or fear. The very places where you think you're weakest, where you look back and say in 2023, that's the one thing I can never think about again. I never want to think about that again. I never want to go back to that again. It was too painful or I feel too ashamed about it. He takes that very event and in 2024, he says, watch how I use the same thing to transform you. Don't think you have to erase it, but watch me redeem it. And that's the new direction. So in the road ahead, don't focus on raking and raking and raking your life. Don't think about how you're going to manage sin better and do a better job in this area or that area. It's not about this sin or that sin. It's about direction. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times you need to rake the yard. There are times when you need to reflect, take inventory. What am I doing with my body or my life or my friends and my family? You take that inventory 
You can clean it up. You can sort it out. But that's not the path. That's just the yard. You can't fill up your house with them. It needs to be burned and done away with, redeemed by Jesus Christ and purified by his Holy Spirit. But then, with faith, Paul says, look forward. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Pursue the goal for the upward call of Jesus Christ. It's about the new chapter in the direction of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.